A fabringen, in Yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avton Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avton. So, the Rabbi of Linksfield Chul, and it is a pleasure and an honor to be here with you, taking quite a break. Hope that your break from routine was blessed, whether you left town, whether you stayed in town. I hope you feel a bit refreshed. And as we enter the new year, the new school year, um, may we all be blessed with lots of success in our life and may we see abundance of happiness and good news and nachas and all the other blessings we bless ourselves. And today is the first day of school in many schools across the country and I think it's worthy to discuss education and obviously an endless topic. Just take a few angles of it. Would love to hear your thoughts. You can always SMS on 34519. And you can telegram 0618951019. But as in all uh, good shows, a good show doesn't start without music. So um, I will go to a song from Mendy Wald. He, it's a song called Koach, which means strength, which I think is something that I we can all bless each other with. May we have koch, strength, for this coming year. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, Levi Avtson from Linksfield Shul. It is a honor and a privilege to be with you. Are you a parent? Are you a grandparent? Did you take your child or grandchild to school to the first day this morning? I'd imagine that many of the listeners have. Some might be picking up their child now from their first day. Uh, you walk around the campus on the first day of school and you just feel a buzz. You feel an energy. You feel an excitement. You feel a thrill. New opportunities, new possibilities. And as I was walking around, I asked myself, what's in people's hearts? I know it's a very silly question, but, you know, as mothers and fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, older siblings are sending their young child or their teenage child into a new year, perhaps a new school, a new section of school, from young primary to senior primary to high school to preschool. What's in their heart? And I'd imagine that although individualistic in nature and every single person's prayer was unique they had a few common threads my child should have a successful year my child should do well academically they should connect to their teacher they should be treated nicely by their teacher and peers they should treat their they should treat their peers nicely they should build meaningful relationships. They should stay out of unnecessary trouble. They should come home at the end of the school day feeling fulfilled, accomplished. That the spark in their eye should be alive and dancing during this year. 
that they should belong, but that they should still remain who they are. And so much more. I want to talk about that last point. To belong is such a human need. One one reason we send our kids to school, whether consciously or subconsciously, is we want them to belong to society. Although homeschooling exists, it's still not the majority uh, accepted way. Obviously, some people do it, and there's often the right reasons to do it. But most of us choose to send our child to a school, maybe a small school, maybe a big school, but we choose that our child should be educated within an environment with peers, children their age, teachers who are specifically catering and are professional in that specific age group, etc., etc. We We have this deep longing as human beings to belong. We need to belong. It's not... Be- you know, the easy thing is to sit there saying it's because of low self-esteem. If you have a healthy self-esteem, you don't need to belong. Um, okay, fine. I'm not sure that's true. I think the human condition, not because they see themselves as less, but rather within the way Hashem created. In the words of Maimonides, Ha'adam humedini. The man, the human being, is a social being. We need to live with others. We, we don't do well in solitude. Yes, once in a while on vacation, on holiday, we do well locking ourselves in and just, you know, focusing. But on the most part, we belong with each other. And we need to belong. At the same time, there is this deep craving to not be lost in a crowd and rather be an individual. Nobody wants to be redundant. Nobody wants to feel like what that's they are just a copycat of something else, that they are a redundant part of seven billion people all running around like chickens without a head, and I'm just one of them. Who am I? What makes me tick? What's my role in this world? What's my talent? And school is often a battleground for that journey, because you think about it, a child is on the journey to identity. That's really what the growth and the journey of childhood and adolescence is. It's trying to figure out who I am. And that's why child adolescence is such a often miserable stage because a child is very often more dependent on others and wants to fit in and doesn't really develop their identity, although they might, you know, express so much individuality, they haven't really discovered themselves in their own journey. Adulthood is hopefully a person on their own journey, being comfortable within their own skin. And adolescence is that bridge between belonging and identity. And that makes the journey so difficult, but also so rewarding. And it's this journey that, as we sent our kids off to school this morning, we pray that our child learns how to straddle, to be a person of this world, to be a mensch to be kind, to have friends, to not feel like a loner, to not feel like they don't belong in this world. But at the same time, that sense of belonging should not be because they have no identity and they just got lost within the crowd, but rather they have an incredible sense of individuality and inner purpose and they're not just 
another person. And to be fair, I don't think only children struggle with this journey. I think many of us adults also struggle with this journey. It's a very, very thin tightrope to walk, this idea that I am Levi, I'm my own person with my own sets of talents and my own dynamic and my own look, etc. And at the same time, I am a person of the world and I need to belong and fit in. I need to be accepted. I need to have relationships. And that often means an expense of, you know, totally self-expressing on, you know, on everyone else's expense. And this journey, this straddling is such a difficult journey, but such a rewarding journey. And it is for each and every one of us to ask ourselves as we enter this year how am I doing in my own unique journey how am I doing in fulfilling my unique part because personally I believe the challenge of our time is most of us know how to belong Yes, there are people that have social issues and social problems, but most of us know how to belong into society, but we struggle to belong within ourselves. Most of us, many of us, have a very poor vocabulary of ourselves, a very poor way of expressing ourselves and really being in tune with the purpose and the role Hashem put us in this world. And therefore, I think that it's a challenge in our time when there are so many people with so many voices and so much out there to really discover your own unique voice, your own unique calling, your own impact that Hashem has in mind for you. And what I want to do after the break is unpack in this week's parsha. you know, we just started the second book of the Torah. We started the book of Shemot, the book of Exodus, which is very much a story of the whole Jewish people, but it's also a story of one individual, Moshe Rabbeinu Moses, and his unique journey. Um, you know, a person who so desperately um, wanted to belong and yet was destined for something so much greater than just being regular. And that incredible journey he went on, I think, has so many lessons for each and every one of us in our own lives. But let's unpack that after the song. This is a song by Yaakov Shweki called Osim Tshuva. We go back to God, we return, we repent here on 101.9 FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. No, 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 not me, not me, not me, not me. No, no, I'm the right, I'm the, no, don't worry, I'm not talking to you, Craig. <laughs> not me. Just somebody else. Yeah, it sounds like I'm uh, talking to Kathy Kaler saying, please, you know, so, put somebody else on the show. But the truth is, if you look at this week's Parsha, you'll see that these words, obviously, I paraphrase them, are words that were said by, was probably the greatest Jew that ever lived, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, who's turning to God, you know, most of us, we have this imagination of the burning bush. When you think of that, you just think of this mystical experience. There's fire coming out of a bush, and Moses is standing over there, and God tells him, take his shoes off your, you know, take the sandals off your legs, because the place you're standing is holy ground, and Moshe is standing over there, and suddenly he has this, you know, deep um, spiritual revelation experience and he just sees you know angels and it's all fantastic 
and all true and all fantastic, and, and it really is fantastic. But if you actually read the conversation, we have a transcript of the conversation that God and Moshe Rabbeinu and Moses have at the burning bush. And it's God pushing, Hashem's pushing Moshe, go, go, go to the land, go to the land of Egypt. Let them out of Egypt. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Go redeem them. Go be my messenger. Go show them signs. And he is fighting back. Shlach tishlach, God. God, send the person you usually send. Send Aaron. Send somebody else. Loish dvarmanarchi, God, I don't, I, I don't speak. I'm not a person of words. I mean, what kind of leader could, could barely talk? Remember, Moshe had a lisp or whatever. He couldn't, he, he wasn't able to talk clearly. His dictation wasn't, um, clear. He burnt his, uh, tongue at some stage, the, uh, the Medrash tells us. Loishmuli, they're not gonna listen to me. I'm like, God, really? Me? Me? God? Really? Now, obviously I'm oversimplifying the story and there's so many layers to the story. At the same time, there's a principle, Ein Mikriyetze de Pshutai, the text never leaves its um, simple meaning. The simple meaning, literally God is telling Moshe, I have a role for you. I set up a role for you and you now have to play your part. And I just want to unpack how unique this story is. Let me explain. Moshe had the most untypical life. You know, earlier in the show, I spoke about the sense of belonging. Moshe, from day one, wasn't given the gift of belonging. All his fellow Jews were enslaved. This is in Egypt, in the time of the pharaohs. Well, I wasn't exact. Not all the Jews. Twelve out of thirteen tribes were enslaved. His tribe, the tribe that he came from, his father's tribe, the tribe of Levi, according to the Jewish commentaries, was not enslaved. So although there was the decree that he would be thrown into the Nile, etc., um, the Levi family, the Levite family, was not enslaved. So they, they had a relative easier time than their brethren. But to be a Jew at that time meant, if not to be enslaved, at least to be in a culture of fear, in a tyranny, um, very little independence, etc., now, it's far from an ideal situation, but where's Moshe growing up? You might remember the story. Moshe's, Moses is sent on the river by his sister and then discovered by the daughter of Paro, Batya, Bitya, and she adopts him. And where is Moses growing up? In the house of Pharaoh. Great. Fantastic. So here you have a Jewish kid growing up in the home of the ultimate anti-Semite, the same anti-Semite who had declared that all Jewish boys should be dead, and the only reason he declared that is because his stargazer saw that a Jewish boy will be born who will overthrow him, who happens to be this very kid who right now has moved into Paro's own palace. Okay. Now, talking about a unique story, it's an incredibly... Um, Unique story. It, it, it almost feels like fiction. Like, what are the odds that the one kid who's going to redeem the Jewish people and for whom God, um, Pharaoh decided that thousands upon thousands of babies have to be killed, the, the one that survives ends up growing up in this palace and being the child who's going to redeem them. And he stays there two decades of his life. 
Three decades according to some opinions. Now, what happens in the next 50 years of his life is actually um, um, quite interesting. The, although the text, if you open up the book of Shemot, you're not going to see it. But the Medrash has some fascinating story. You could go check it up. Moses in Ethiopia. <laughs> um, it literally says that Moshe was a king in uh, Ethiopia for many, many years. He helped uh, one side of the battle win the other against the other side, against the rebels, and he eventually became the king. Then, according to the you know Jewish, um, according to the Medrash, he spent ten years in prison, imprisoned by his own father-in-law because his father-in-law was scared that if he's fa- found harboring a um, person who escaped from Egypt years ago, ex- he, he might be punished. Anyways, he throws Moshe into prison. Moshe is kept alive by his future wife, Tzipporah, who brings food and water to him. Again, that's what you know the commentaries at, um, tell us. But regardless of that part of the story, how unique is this kid's life? How unique is this individual's life? And then finally, he marries Sipora, and this is where we go back into the text, into the book of Shemot, chapter 3, then chapter 4, he's a shepherd, and he he bumps into a burning bush, he was chasing after a sheep, he comes in the burning bush, and God says, you are the man. Now, imagine the scene, unpack it with me, try to use your imagination. And forgive me for playing a bit of liberty but I'm putting words that were not said, but I believe um, strongly were implied. God's looking at Moshe and saying, Moshe, don't you realize what kind of life I gave you? Don't you realize how unusual your life is? Do you really think that all I want you to do with that life is to be a shepherd and in no way being condescending to what a shepherd does? On the contrary, it was only because Moshe showed how delicate he is with each and every sheep in his flock that Hashem decided to appoint him leader. But do you really think that everything you've been in your life, your miraculous survival, your unusual, understated, um, your unusual upbringing, your lineage, your story, your background, and I only shared like 1% of the story. There's so much over there. The Jewish, um, you know, Jewish, uh, the Talmud and Jewish um, history has so many layers to Moshe Rabbeinu. So much of his story is told in various books throughout the years. What an incredible life story. Do you really think, Moshe, Everything you've been through is just to be a shepherd for your father-in-law for the rest of your life. Really? And there's Moshe fighting back and saying, God, appoint somebody else. I'm not a person of words. All, you know, sounds valid. You're not a person of words. But Moshe, don't you realize there's nothing random in this world? You were designed for this. You were made for this. This is your role. Go play it. Go do it. Yeah, but my brother Aaron, yeah, your brother Aaron will help you, but it's not his role. His role is to be the high priest. His role to be the man of peace, etc. Your role is to redeem the Jewish people, obviously with God's um, help. And, uh, you know, God did the, the redemption, but Moshe led it. 
He was God's messenger to this world, the Shliach, and Hashem says, go do it. Bring the ten plagues. Take the Jewish people out. Bring them to Sinai. Take them to, to Israel. Cross the desert with them. Moshe, play your part. We're told, the Torah tells us Moshe was 80 by now. 80 years. We're all there to set him up for that role. And there he's standing at the burning bush and the role is screaming at him and saying, Moshe, look! For 80 years you were never able to make sense of your life story. For 80 years you must have been wondering why, how, when, where. Do you see it now? Do you understand? Go rise to the occasion. And we see a very similar story in last week's parsha and the parshas before that. Joseph, 17-year-old kid, sold by his brother, an orphan at a young age from his mom, ends up in the house of a potiphar. Eventually, he's accused of being abusive, and he's thrown into prison, and he spends 12 years in prison. He's already 30 years old. He's then appointed viceroy of Egypt. The country, after seven years, enters a famine. He's now in his late thirties. He spent twenty-two years away from his, twenty-two years away from his father, and suddenly, he's the one keeping the whole world alive. He's the one keeping his his father, his stepmothers, his brothers, their families alive. He keeps civilization alive. Yosef, who amashber l'cholam arts. Yosef's the one who supports and takes care of the food for the entire land. And suddenly, the truth screams at him and sits and says, do you now start understanding your story? Do you, do you begin to appreciate that the life that seemed so miserable and so unfair was all designed for you to play a part? Now again, not again, I didn't say this before, but it's important for me to clarify. This is not about justifying struggle. This is not about saying, you know, playing God and me defending, you know, why each and every one of us has our struggles. But it's a, it's a call for us to look inward and if not to justify what happened to us, at least give meaning to it, to understand that whatever we've been through in our lives, whatever's happened to us is tailor-made for the role we have to play. Moshe's ridiculous, for lack of a better word, Moshe's unpredictable, unimaginable life story was there, designed, tailor-made by the creator of heaven and earth so that he can be the individual who will redeem the Jewish people. As is with Joseph, as is with Avram and his incredible life story, as is with each and every one of us, we often feel, we have this perception that only people who have a certain kind of life are useful in this world. In other words, only people that have a voice, that are popular, that are successful, 
that have seemed that you know to be living a life where things fit in for them. But the child who doesn't belong, or the child who doesn't fit in, or the child who doesn't discover their talents at a young age. I often tell, you know, I, I, I do, I'm a rabbi in a shul, so I meet bar mitzvah boys just before the bar mitzvah, and I often ask a kid, what do you want to do when you're older? Usually one out of five has a clear answer. I want to be a doctor, I want to be an accountant, I want to be a pilot, whatever it is. But four out of five don't have a clear answer. And they they look on sheepishly to me and, you know, waiting for me to sit there saying, hey, Boyke, you're 12 years old, you don't know what you want to do. And I always tell them how lucky you are. There's nothing wrong with not knowing what you want to do. Some of us are like, we just have that clarity from the moment we're born. But for many of us, it's a journey. And it's often our life experiences that then give us what we have to do. In other words, it's nurture that takes us in direction. It's not like we're born with this deep intuition and a deep sense that this is what I'm designed to. I wasn't born to be a rabbi, I don't think. I'm saying, obviously, Hashem wanted that. But naturally, when I was a 10-year-old kid, I, I don't think I showed any interest or skill set that would push me towards the rabbinate. But then life takes you on a journey. It's the nurture, it's the experiences, and often the challenging experiences, the complex experiences, the experiences that send you to bed in tears. But then they slowly, they form you. They form you into something into a sense of clarity. That's why I'm here. That's my journey. So for the 12-year-old who doesn't know what they want to do, great. Maybe you'll discover it one day, or maybe life will discover it for you through your life experiences. Moshe can only be a Moshe after the first 80 years of his life. The great leaders can only lead the great people can only be great based on their experiences, not despite their experiences. So yes, as we sent our kids off to school this morning, we pray for an easy and a meaningful year. But also a year that pushes them. A year that pushes them closer towards their purpose. A year that helps them realize that as, mu- as important as it is to fit in, and it is so important, it's as important, if not more important, to fit in with yourself to discover your journey, to t- let life, or rather Hashem, take you where you're intended to go, that let your life experiences turn into steps of meaning to take you to the destination that you were always meant to reach. This is 101.9 This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. Through Chai FM, you connect to the world, to Israel, to global listening community. But now you can connect to the heart of the station. Download our free app to listen live. Contact the studio, office, or helpline at one touch. Find it on the Google App Store, Chai FM. Just look for the logo. The Chai FM app is brought to you by Binary Headquarters. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Aftson from Linksfield Shul. And we are here talking about the need and the call for each one of us to ask ourselves, everything that happened to me this past year, what was it designed for? You know, 2019 had its challenges for some, had blessings for others. Many of us had challenges and blessings in that year. 
And, you know, the words you hear from many people is like 2020, may it be a great year. Obviously, Hashem already designed it on Rosh Hashanah, what our year will be. But it's the beginning of a, a new secular year, a beginning of a new school year, and many people are feeling like it's a fresh start. And gosh, may 2020 turn into something incredible. But a lot of what 2020 will turn into is what lessons I learned from 2019 and what I allow it to teach me and how much I grow. We have this imagination that struggle is an anomaly in life. That this world is here for serenity and peace. And that is the ultimate purpose when Mashiach comes. But as long as we're in exile, struggle and whatever challenges we have helps us form and it helps us achieve one step closer, closer to our purpose. So many people, so many children, so many young adults and so many adults who, when you ask them, why are you here? They don't have an answer that satisfy themselves, let alone satisfy the person who asks the question. Do you, do you have an answer that satisfies you? Do you know with every fiber of your being what your purpose at this moment is? I'm not asking what your purpose is in 10 years or 20 years, but based on everything you've lived through till this very day, do you know where you belong? Do you know what you're being called upon to do? Moshe, do you know, after 80 years of incredible life experiences, do you know, standing here at the burning bush, what your calling is? Do you know? Do you see? Do I look at my imperfect life and instead of seeing it as a reason to cry, complain, and feel sorry for myself, as a laser beam shining straight out on my calling, on my purpose, and what I'm here to do. Maybe you went through a life experience that was traumatic and difficult. Did that develop within you empathy? Can you be there for another victim of this similar crime or hurt? Have you suffered loss? Has that expanded your heart? Have you suffered heartbreak? Has that allowed you to cherish the relationships you do have? Have you been disappointed in others? Has it taught you to be a more loyal, more kind person? Have you failed in your business venture? Has that taught you the lessons for next time? Has that taught you how to help somebody not make those same mistakes? Again, those aren't the reasons that we we struggle, but they are the meaning that we give our struggle. So yes, as I mentioned earlier in the show, with every ounce of my being, I pray that our children who started school today should have a blissful year, should have an easy year, should have a, a year that everything just fits, that every piece of the puzzle just fits so nicely. And at the same time, 
I pray that within that puzzle, they should find opportunities to discover themselves, to discover strength they didn't know existed, to discover skills that maybe lay dormant till now, that they realize that fitting in with yourself is more important than fitting in with others, that they have friends, but the friends don't come on the expense of their own journey, that they don't get swallowed into relationship on the cost of their own individual journey. We pray, we daven, that our child in this school year should learn a little more of what it means to be a person, a Jew, a human being. What it, the purpose of each and every one of us is. We pray with each and every part of our being that our child should discover what a real loving relationship is. True kindness. Not just fitting in with the cool crowd, but the relationship of people who truly appreciate them for who they are. That they connect from the teach in, with the teacher in a way that doesn't only allow the teacher to inform them with information, but more so to give them a way of life, to teach them how to think, not just what to think, to be their guide that may they bump into people during this school year that advance them on this journey. Each and every one of us in our own way is a Moshe Rabbeinu. We're told that each and every one of us has a spark. We have that calling, and each one of us every morning stands in front of the burning bush, obviously metaphorically, and God turns to us and says, Levi, for the X amount of years you've been on this world, do you realize why you're here? Yeah, God, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the right guy for this. I'm like, God, like, really, I'm, I'm useless. I'm, I, I, I'm not as cool as you think I am, God. One of my favorite comics I saw as a child is a child screaming out to God, God, I believe in you. And a voice comes from heaven and says, and I believe in you more. God's faith in us and being aware of it is as important as being aware of our faith in him. Because when I believe in God and then I believe that God put here, me here for a purpose and that he believes in me, nothing can stand in my way. No storm can knock down a tree that has roots so anchored in the ground. So may this be a year of anchored roots. May this year be a year of blessing. May this be a year of simchas. May this be a year of growth in every area. And may this finally be a year of 2020 vision. May we see the world the way God intended it to be. May that we finally reach the messianic world, a garden, a beautiful world that it's always intended to be and essentially it's always been. And may we merit in our time to the day of peace, the day of forgiveness, and the day of global unity. Amen. Have a great week.